This week's episode is brought to you by the Art Ross Trophy, which Nathan McKinnon is somehow in the running for despite those games he missed due to injury. Holy crap. Sackett fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackett! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the March 19th, 2018 edition of Burgundy Radio, Colorado Avalanche podcast. Coming up on the show, we check out how the Avalanche responded to Kryptonite Week. We look ahead at the playoff push to come, and oh, is that Kamenev and Eric Johnson? But before we play the whoosh, it's time to intro your disembodied voices for the week, starting at whatever his position is. It's Earl 06. How are you, Earl? I am well. Hello, friends. And starting at whatever her position is, it's Jackie, a.k.a. Tiger Vixen. What's up, Jackie? Buongiorno. And subbing in for our traditional empty seat, it's the voice of Vlad. Do you have a voice after that game, Vlad? Oh, I have a voice, and it's full of wind. (laughs) We begin on Tuesday in the dark, barren tundra of Minnesota, where the Avs come out with a win, actually. 5-1 over the stupid Minnesota Wild. Boy, this was a party. With two goals from JT Comfer, 8-7-7 goal now, plus help from Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Zadorov, and Tyson Jost. Avs got outshot handily in this one, thanks in part to most of the game's power plays before garbage time going to the adjectives, and also thanks in part to score effects. It's a deceptive shot count. Then on Thursday, Avs walk into a building they cannot win in and get systematically crushed, but they win anyway. 4-1 over the St. Louis Blues with four points from Miko Ranton and two goals apiece for him and McKinnon. But Simeon Varlamov's 44 saves are the key to this one. Colorado returned to Denver on Friday for a matchup with the Nashville Predators, who were also back-to-back with travel, and they really did outplay them but fell 4-2 in the end. McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog get your goals here, and Colorado deserved a better result, but they did not deserve the result they'd gotten the day before against a much more relevant playoff race opponent, so I'm not lying too much. And finally, on Sunday, we just watched the Avalanche beat down the Detroit Red Wings 5-1. McKinnon, another pair. Landeskog and Tyson Berry and Blake Como, your supporting cast. Plus another 37 saves from Simeon Varlamov as score effects and a really rough second period combined for some crap. But maybe the bigger story, not the Avs taking care of their business, is the return in this one of Vladislav Kamenev and Eric Johnson to the lineup. So, EJ was kind of eased in. He was not on the top 5v5 pair. I, I'm not sure if he had 20 total minutes. Did you check? I think he had 19.52. Under 20 minutes. That is technically correct. Yeah. The best kind of correct. The most interesting yeah. thing I found was that he played the most minutes with Gerard. So I thought that Johnson's game was was very good. Especially for his first game back, what did y'all see? I thought he was great. Um, it, it it goes along with what the Avs have been doing all season, kind of waiting till guys are ready. Even though this was kind of a big surprise to all of us, uh, we were kind of looking for AJ maybe a little bit later this week. But you know, it was great to see him back. But um, you know, he was hitting people. He was shooting the puck. He didn't favor the shoulder noticeably or anything like that. So. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of stunned by it. I, I, I'm still kind of not fully realizing that he's back in the lineup for basically good now. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I thought it was a great game for a first game back after four weeks off. Yeah. He looked fresh and not rusty and 
it, it always kind of seems like the first game is kind of adrenaline fueled. So I think the better question might be a few games from now, but EJ's such a horse that it's, it's probably not going to really affect him much. And I think a lot of the guys have commented on just how they get put through the ringer conditioning wise so that they're not really behind when they step into the lineup. So I, I think that might've helped as well. Yeah, McNabb talked about that several times on the on the broadcast today. It was the the kind of training that that EJ was going through in his convalescence, if you will, um, was was you know beyond what normal hockey players would go through when they're you know in, in season and, and playing games every other day. So uh, they they kind of game simulate, if you will, as you're getting close to coming back. I thought EJ looked fine in in warmups today. I was trying to keep an eye on him as well as uh, uh, Vladislav Kamenev. So uh, I didn't see him uh, treating his body any differently than he would if he wasn't hurt. I thought he maybe eased himself into the game flow as the game progressed. But I definitely noticed as the game went on on Sunday that he started gaining more confidence and more speed and wanting to uh, carry the puck more and start dictating play on his own. I believe he was the Corsi hero too. Yeah, his his number day. was fantastic. It was very nice. Yeah. So that helps too. That um, you know he he was seeing a lot of time in the offensive zone and and being effective. So yeah, I, I don't think you could call it anything but a pretty good return for EJ. Yeah, and they got him in a bunch of different situations as well. Like with with Nemeth taking a penalty, he ended up on uh, you know one of the top penalty killers, and and also with with Seaman sitting, um, he he was he was high man in in PK time on ice, and he even got a a minute on the power play at the end when they were going with two Ds. So you know he he kind of got a, a a smattering of all situations to to get back into it and. Again, he just—he looked fine. It's great to have him back. So, Jackie, you were, you were saying you liked that pairing with with Sam Gerard. What what was it about that pairing that you thought worked well? I think both of them work well together. As it is, it's just kind of, you know, I mean, this probably would take a longer thought to think about what makes them effective. But it's not so much the big guy, little guy, because that's doesn't that's not always the case but i think i think they both move the puck well and then they complement each other so when ej's in the lineup and especially with barry in the lineup as well it seems like they always go through this kind of like pair blender and i think it's going to be that way for the duration you know assuming that they're all healthy for the duration so I think it kind of works out that way, but it, it's just interesting to me that how the blender ends up and it ends up with EJ and Gerard playing the most together, which I think is interesting. One thing that's really nice about that pairing is that Sam gets to play on his regular side, and he hasn't been doing that. And I, you know, I I, I don't think he does poorly as as a right defenseman at all, but um, you know, I, I'm sure he would probably prefer to be on the left side given his choice. And I, I think having EJ on the right and Sam on the left there, uh, that, that just makes for a good pair because they, they skate very well. 
and they can both move the puck. And I just think that's that's very effective. And you sort of mix that up with with how Zadorov and Barry have sort of learned to, I guess, tolerate each other on the ice. Um, you know that that might put Patrick Nemeth back on the on the third pairing where where he probably belongs. Yeah, I definitely like the kind of the path that that would put them on as far as the pairs. Yeah, I agree. Because as it is, we've had Nemeth far too high in the pairings for for his skill set, and that has yeah. been painful. At times, yeah. I mean, you know, he'll have a good game here and there. I mean, he's not awful, but it's just, you know, when you have him as your fifth defenseman, that just makes that third pairing all that much stronger. So it, it's 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 not like you're you're lusting after Patrick Nemeth on your third pair, but it's like if if he's going to be in your lineup and he is the fifth defenseman, then that means the the guys ahead of him are all pretty good. And they mix him in as well. They'll still mix them in with Gerard, with Barry, with EJ. Yeah. He and they'll do Nemeth Zadorov in defensive yeah. situations. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they Pratt seems to do a lot of situational pairings, and that's, you know, that's fine, too. I swear, at one point today, I know, and I know there's broken line changes, but I swear there was, like, a whole stretch where they would change only one defenseman. So then you would have, like... <laughs> Like one of them would either have a long shift, and then the, I don't know what it was, but it was it was like it wasn't set. It was it was kind of like one just jumped off whenever, but it was like that for like probably ten minutes of a period. So I I don't know what that was about either. Sometimes they struggle with that in the second period, you know, just because you have a long change. You know, obviously with the you know the Red Wings kind of dominated the second period for long stretches of the the first half of it at least. So it's incredibly tough to switch out the far D, which would be the I, right D. I think it was in the the second half of the first. So I know sometimes they get in a flow, but I think it was even through some face-offs. What are they doing? But, you know, we, we know that they like, when they have more D at their disposal, they like to mix and match. So it's just kind of be expected at this point. They like to just kind of see what works, and the the one pairing that I don't want to see a whole lot more of in the vicinity of Varley anymore ever again is Tyson Berry with David Wasowski. Check. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that was awful. That has to not happen anymore. <laughs> how about how about let's never have that on the PK either? <laughs> what right. was up with that? Jesus. <laughs> You know, I get you're you're trying to ease EJ back in, but you know, Warsawski and Barry on the PK is, you know, that's that's a little way too outside the box thinking. <laughs> maybe you don't want Sam on the PK so much, and yeah, maybe Zadorov took a penalty, a weird penalty, but it's okay. Yeah. And so you're stuck with those four, but do you have to mix and match it that way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like Nemeth plays the whole PK all the time. You know, it's like that, that's not a big deal for him to go out there and play two minutes in a, you know, of a, an entire PK. So yeah, it lets him utilize his one elite skill set, which is icing the puck. <laughs> exactly, he was built for that. But PK is good all week. It was. It, somehow, it's turned into a real asset for this team, and I'm not really sure 
um, where the turnaround came. I, I like how they're aggressive on it. I think it's it's preventing the other team from setting up is what they're so good at. When If the other team gets set up, I think it's probably average. I don't think it's bad, but I, I think that's kind of where, you know, maybe they don't have the advantage. But they're so good at disrupting the other team getting set up that that it really does kill penalties very well. Well, it's funny. Like I remember Dave Farish's Dave Farish's PK was really bad, and it, they lined up sort of four across the ice. And so weird. The, and <laughs> and they, you know, and Dave Farish is a proponent of the swarm, which is where you try to overload in the corners to to try to take the puck away and stuff like that. Um, but. You know, Pratt and and Bednar's PK is very vertical. It's like they're they're almost right on the 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 Royal Road all the time, unless sort of the high guy is going out to put pressure on a puck carrier. Um, right, like they prefer the perimeter shots if you're going to give one up. That's right. Um, but I, you know, just looking at the season in general, I, when they first got into the top five of, of the PK after having a terrible start, there were five for their first 10. Um, you know, I thought like, Oh, you know, they're on a roll. I don't think they'll end up here though. And they've, they've really stayed in there all season long. I mean that they are a top five PK in the, in the national hockey league. Legitimately. Yeah, it's and I it's think, not just, yeah, it's not just a, you know, a hot streak or anything. And I think guys like uh, Soderberg and, Como have have made that a they've done so much good work on that like how Soderberg can just hunt guys down and um it seems like they're doing that at least once a game but I, I yeah, yeah that's I good to see that done well and ne- it's Nemeth good to see that really from Soderberg for sure so those two have really developed a, a strong chemistry Soderberg and Como um and, and you see Soderbergh throwing out these really clever little passes all the time, and it's really nice to see him get rewarded a couple of times for that today with a, a couple of, like, clears on the penalty kill, and then with obviously with the assist on Como's goal today. Um, like, it's just, it's really, like, you see him make these slick little passes, and he's playing with, you know, not maybe not the best offensive players in, on the team, and they're not necessarily ready for such a thing to happen. So it's it's always exciting to see those passes pay off, and I'm really curious to see um, next season what a Soderberg line ends up looking like, even though that's getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with his resurgence, he should be kind of looked at as the second line center in an offensive capacity. I've kind of wanted that all year, and I understand at this point they kind of they got to keep rolling with what's working. So you know, I'm not so insistent on seeing any any lines broken up or anything at this point but yeah i think he's proven that he's back and i i think he can take on more of an offensive role next year so before we move forward from here we need to also talk about the other returnee which is vlad kamenev um he had fourth line duty which i mean you wouldn't expect a whole lot less from a rookie who hasn't played since november in the nhl the crows. Yeah, was... Yes, they're right there. Jesus. Another Circling climate. around Cam. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're coming for him. 
I thought he was a bit of a mixed bag today. I mean, he you know he looked like a guy who hadn't played on this team all year, which you know he is. Um, but just from what we've seen in the AHL over the past week, um, you know, there, there's capacity for him to move up the line, the lineup uh, as he gets more comfortable in this system, and um, you know, I. I I like to. I, I want to see him with some guys with a little offensive talent. Once you know, once he's he's a little more integrated with everybody. Um, yeah, I just have this feeling that that he and Andrew Ghetto would be a really good pair. Andrew Ghetto kind of reminds me of Samuel Blay in, in San San Antonio, and they uh, had some some really good chemistry this week. So I, I just sort of think the the Kamenev passing to a shooter. Um, part of a line would work well, um, you know, maybe later in the week. It's kind of like all the the conversation we've had all year about the fourth line, how it's just kind of a hodgepodge of guys they want to dress, but they aren't really a line. And I, I do kind of like the, the Andrew Ghetto Comfort Joe line, and I understand maybe they don't want to get away from that. But Anybody that's come up and stuck, been stuck on that fourth line, it's just kind of like, what are you going to get from them? You know, this is kind of like the Greer narrative. What is he going to do on the fourth line kind of thing? Like Kamenev's going to be kind of a part of that. And and I think it, in a way it kind of speaks to the effectiveness of Tony Otto that I think he doesn't get credit for from a lot of people that – you know, he's not scoring, therefore he's not doing anything on that line. And I think he's the one that should be on the fourth line, which is the thing. Like, he should be playing and he should be playing that role every night. It's just the problem is they have about nine other guys that they're going to have to figure out what to do with, especially if Wilson ever drops out of the sky and plays, which we were led to believe he's close as well. So... How do you work him in? How do you have an effective real fourth line? And then how do you give all these rookies the minutes that they want to give? I'll see. The first thing you got to do is you got to throw a couple of bench games to Mr. Alex Kerfoot. Yeah, I think it's time for Kerf to sit down for a game or two. Yeah, Yeah, maybe that's the answer. I don't necessarily think Wilson needs to be in the lineup, but... I if think he sit, will be. <laughs> if you sit, yeah. If you sit Kerfoot and you still have like a pointless fourth line, I don't think you've accomplished much. I'm not opposed to it if it makes sense of what they're doing with the lineup. Yeah, Kerfoot's not yeah. a fourth line player by any means, but he's also played himself off of the other Lions lately just by looking like he's hit that, you know, cliched in CAA wall where you get so far into the season and it's just like, damn, we're still playing hockey. Yeah, I mean, a lot of earlier in the year when he was on the fourth line, it was more just out of they didn't know where to put him. But I agree at this point, you know, he has been outplayed by the others. But he's just, he's never going to play himself off of the fourth line is the issue. Like, you have to just keep giving him chances. Right, like the fourth line isn't just the we want these guys to dress, but we don't have any other ideas line. Like, the fourth line should be thought of as an actual effective fourth line. And at this yeah. point, like Bork had a great run and I know he PKs, but I don't know that he needs to dress every night either. Yeah. I think, 
I, I mentioned this in the GDT today, but you know, if Bednar and Pratt would sort of fall in love with Toninato as a PK guy, um, like they did with Bork, um, you know, I know there's not a lot of time to try stuff right now, especially like that. But you know, if Toninato could sort of fill that role as as the maybe the fourth PKer, if you want to call him that, with Nieto. Um, you know that would allow them to put him at center on the on the fourth line and and maybe make that a little bit more of a, a line that you can put out there and it will do something rather than getting trapped. Yeah, I agree. And if it does, if that doesn't happen this year, I I hope that's kind of the plan next year. But I mean, like I said, at this point, you know, they know what they have and they're going to try to get in the playoffs what they have, but you kind of still need a fourth line that isn't going to hurt you. Yeah. You kind of need four lines in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I think especially with the way that the bottom six has been sort of fluid, I know they're, they've, they're trying to make the, the Comfer, Jost, um, Andrew Ghetto uh, trio work. I don't think it is really. It, it works sometimes, but not that well as as a line throughout a game. Um, you know, I, I think once they get a better idea of what Kamenev can do and, and sort of take a little bit of a of time to reevaluate everybody that's sort of up for that bottom six role, I, I think you know I've been saying this all year, but I think they can create two lines out of who they have that can do things that you can roll. Um, real lines one after the other rather than just sort of use the fourth occasionally and then, you know, you have Bork killing penalties. Too bad they can't dress like 15 forwards and it'd be perfect. (laughs) Four solid lines and three utility guys. (laughs) They would love that. They like their guys. (laughs) They do do like their guys. Um... So we'll have to see as we go on moving forward, like what kind of what kind of effect on the lineup Kamenev has. Um, the the biggest lineup effect we're waiting on, and probably like we're starting to wonder, maybe we're not going to see it. It would be the return of Mark Barbario, because until then we're still stuck with the re- revolving door of Siemens, Warsawski, and possibly injured, possibly not injured. We're not really sure. Anton Lindholm. Yeah, that yeah. would that would make three pairs that you could use like a, you know, a, a Nemeth Barbario third pair. I mean, wow, that would be great. You know, they have good chemistry together. They were effective when they were together earlier in the season. It's a fine um, third pair. Exactly. And you know, it, we, we've heard that Barbario has had a setback and then, you know, he's probably not, not really all that close. So time's kind of running out for that. It will be interesting to see if Barbario doesn't come back who kind of that sixth is because it was Warsawski today is that kind of the way they're going to roll you know is is Lindholm an option maybe not but you you would have thought that they would prefer Lindholm because he's been on the team all year he's been in the NHL all year rather than Siemens and Warsawski who were primarily in the AHL all year and they've played well for what they were asked to do but it's just surprising that they would ride the Lindholm train all this long to kind of abandon it and so is Warsawski going to be kind of that 
that sixth that they dress all the time? Or are they going to rotate through these guys? Because it seems like Bedner likes more of a set lineup. I know they kind of move a few guys in and out. Like, you know, they used to play Yakupov. I think that's going to not be an option anymore. But I guess we'll see. You know, has Warsawski won that kind of like number six job, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I think he has, and that's it's more it's more kind of the kind of player he is rather than any kind of proficiency. Um, it's just you know if you're gonna have Patrick Nemeth as your fifth defenseman, you you know putting him with with Siemens or Lindholm, um, you know that's just I, I think they've finally realized that that doesn't work. So that you kind of need someone with a little bit of puck skills to offset Nemeth. Because Nemeth, he doesn't really break out much, and maybe Rudo's numbers will, will, you know, contradict this. But it, it looks like when Nemeth gets the puck, he looks to his defensive partner to make the breakout. A lot of the times, or he just punts it. You know, if they're going to do a control breakout, he, he oftentimes looks to his partner to handle that. I've started seeing that more and more myself, and in Nemeth's play when it was when it was mentioned. So I started paying a little bit more attention to how Nemeth handles the puck more. And I've start I've definitely noticed that trend for sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great that he knows his limitations or, you know, maybe they coached that into him, but, um, you know, I mean, that makes him more effective just because, you know, you know, he realizes he's not a great passer and, you know, Warsawski is a pretty good passer. You know, he might not make the best decisions all the time, but, you know, he, he can actually pass the puck. He can move the puck by skating and, and things like that. Um, so that's sort of a good offset if you're going to have a guy that's, you know, a defensive defenseman on your third pair like that. Why don't we go ahead and just dive into stars and scratches for the week, excluding the obvious? Um, we can't exclude the obvious. Okay. We just well, got to celebrate the obvious. Well, we're going to celebrate the obvious as soon as this segment is over. Okay. <laughs> so, who are our non-Nathan McKinnon stars for the week? I think Soderberg. Okay. He deserves a star. I and I can't even remember which game that was. The maybe it was the Minnesota game where he had that. I think it was the end of a PK shift where he just dragged the puck out of the defensive zone, and then um, I can't even remember the play anymore. There's been so many goals. I know. <laughs> Tough, <laughs> tough problem to have. Yeah. But Colorado just... scored 18 goals this week. Good lord. And I can usually remember them all, not anymore. And I cannot remember the difference between all the McKinnon goals, too, which, you know, nice problem to have, right? But, right. Sure. but back to <laughs> Soderbergh, I just, th- I just think he's been solid. And, you know, his, his play on the goal today and and I just think he's done a lot of heavy lifting. He's great on the PK. He's gotten some points here and there. Um, you know, when he's really engaged, he's really good and, and strong on the puck. You know, it, he just feels like he's determined, just like the rest of the team. And I think I think that, that kind of brings out the best in Soderbergh. 16 goals this week, not 18. Same difference. <laughs> <laughs> Still a lot. <laughs> Four per game. <laughs> More stars. Uh, my star Farley. for the week is going <laughs> to... 
I, I'm going to go with Captain Gabe, but Varley is also very deserving. Um, I, I think Gabe, I think Landeskog went into the, this week with 48 or 49 points, maybe, and he's up to the 56 right now. So he's had a big week, just like Mac and Miko has. He um, got his 30th assist. Yep, and, and he's got the same week. The McKinnon and Rantanen both got their 50th. Yeah, he's I, got 30, 32 assists and 24 goals now after today. Um, because I think he had a, he had a goal and two assists today. I'm pretty sure. Um, so you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, it's like Landy never shows up," and I'm just like, "Landy shows up every day." You know, I mean, he he might not get on the score sheet every day, but this week he did. So yeah, yeah, and it's... at least those kind of people are noticing him <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's good to see him get rewarded, but but I agree, it is a bit sad where it takes points for for a lot of people to say oh landy had a good week or landy's playing well right now it's just it always happens that way and he does have a bad game here and there there's some games where it's just like he just doesn't have it and you know and and you can totally tell but those are pretty rare and yeah it's it's like it takes points to get anybody noticed sometimes like like if toninato gets a goal the opinion on him probably will change like yeah. one goal will change the opinion people have. No, we, we saw with Duncan when he had two points in two games or something <laughs> like that. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, let's keep Duncan. Let's sign him for next year. He's awesome." You know, right? And- exactly. <laughs> this is a defenseman we drafted in 2011. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's finally the guy. Um, yeah. I, th- I think there's some recency bias here with the game today um, because Miko Rantanen deserves one of these stars as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah. yeah. He, he I-, I put him in the same better. category as Mac. I mean, he's yeah. just, you know, a given. Of course you're going to celebrate him. Okay. Yeah, but no, I agree. I think I think people know Miko's playing well, but I do think he kind of gets too much of the passenger talk. And I think they help each other, but... I mean, what does he have? Seventy six points now, like seventy seven. Seventy seven. So he's yeah. <laughs> I mean, top twenty in the league. It, it's it is incredible. And I one interesting thing they actually said on altitude today was he's only gone two games all season without a point, and the only yeah, other they, person was Giroux. Yeah, um, it hasn't even gone three games the entire season without a point. Yeah, I know, and that's just incredible that's consistency for a kid his age. Yeah, and that in- would include the non-McKinnon stretch too. Right, and yeah. and yes, he's riding on Nathan McKinnon's coattails, but you're probably looking at one of the more underrated players in the NHL right now. Yeah. No, and I, I've seen a little bit of love from my side of the country for Miko. Not much, but a little. They're starting to notice him a little bit, but yeah, I think when they uh, see the point total, people are just like, right, second, yeah, takes the points to to get you noticed, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's some right, of the well, stats guys. They're like, wait a minute, he's got seventy what? He's, yeah, he's how? Right, like, oh, hang on a second, how's no one talking about this? He was tied with Ovechkin the other day. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe he has more now, but he's he tied does. with Ovechkin the other day. <laughs> It, he and Crosby and Ovechkin are all like in the same area code right there. Yeah, they um, they showed a stat today of on altitude of the most points at home, and Nathan McKinnon led the league by thirteen. And then number two <laughs> was Miko Rantanen. 
Yeah, yeah. with 50. Yeah. <laughs> and Nate had 63. Yeah, then it was, <laughs> it was like 50, 50, 49, 47, 47, and then up there at the top, 63. No big deal. Yeah. Um. So right now by points, Miko Rantanen has 77, which is 11th. He is tied <laughs> with Cindy Crosby in plus one over Ovechkin. And plus one over no, Taylor what? Hall. So no. take your... He's 11th, yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's is there a Cole Harbor away. Finland out there somewhere? Cole Harbor Finland. <laughs> Cole Harbor. Not as good as Line a, though. That's that's Miko. Miko, not Patrick Line. <laughs> no, number 25 in points, Patrick Line. Yeah. On a, it's such a better team. Um, and, and, I mean, the crazy thing is, is he's four points away, which he'll easily get, I don't know, probably before the end of the week, um, from guaranteeing a point per game. Um, even if he gets blanked for the rest of the season, you know, if he, he's, he's only going to play a maximum of 81 games cause he missed one. Yeah. So he gets four more points. He'll guarantee himself 81. And that's just, you know, it, just dreaming of someone on the abs having 80 points up until like halfway through the season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what um, if he gets 90? Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah, he's he can can McKinnon here. <laughs> McKinnon will do that in the next home game for sure if he hasn't already. Yeah. This he's... is. I mean, and I'll I'll say my speech now. You need to pay Miko. Like the whole like, wait and see what he does next year. You know what? It, maybe he won't. But it once you've hit where he has, you know where he's going. Eighty. Like there's no yeah, but it's like you had an eighty point season. Pay the guy. Yeah, I'm just, I, I mean, if I'm Miko, depending on sort of his and his agent's philosophy on signing contracts, I don't know if I'd be that pressed to sign one this summer, but. Um, I mean, you're, yeah. you're kind of in the echelon one way or the other. Like, I don't, right. I don't know if it necessarily would bump him up a whole lot more to do it again. And I don't know if it's going to bump him down a whole lot more. It's like you scored 80 points. This is kind of what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, you know, what what's he going to do next year? Score 100? I mean, you know, maybe. Um. <laughs> is there any At this other? rate. Yeah. I mean, just just give him the, you know, whatever by eight and just call it good. And... Yeah. Do you all know any place yeah, this is other a... than Corsica that I can find primary points? Because Corsica is not loading for me. Uh, um, uh, Nat Stachter has it. It doesn't. You have to actually... Like, kind of add it yourself. It has first and second assists, but it doesn't have primary points. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and Vlad, go ahead, go ahead and talk about Varley because he definitely deserves it. Oh my gosh, nobody's workload is higher than Varley's, and no. that's just <laughs> no one's. No one's in the ballpark. It doesn't matter how many minutes your D is playing, how many goals your offense is scoring. Nobody is having more work to do than Varley. And that's not just in this week, last week, it's been just constant since he came back from, from the injury. So how, how can they, how can they not uh, be where they are? Not just with McKinnon doing his thing and Ranton doing his thing, but also with Varley. He, he's, he's standing tall right now. He, he's what more, can, what more can we say? I mean, we, I won't say Vesna. I won't say that, but no, it's damn close. It's a good Wait, he, yeah. yeah, he doesn't have the numbers. 
to even yeah be if we in were back in the days where, when goalie wins were the the, the bee's knees um goalie clutch wins <laughs> um you know he'd be up there but yeah he's he's fantastic what 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 is he up to now is it 18 games in a row he's played in Something i know two like of that. them yeah two of them were in relief but um yeah just you you can't believe for a guy that missed basically all of last season with a what could have been a career-ending groin injury um and missed time earlier this year with with something in that area um has come back and has played 18 straight games and, and along with McKinnon willed this team into a playoff spot. Yeah, I think especially on of, Thursday, he was fantastic. Yeah. The perception oh, yeah. of Varley's interesting. Like, yeah, he gets credit like, like in this kind of short term. Yeah. He was really good. But then, you know, in that Nashville game, they lost in overtime a week ago and maybe he let in a couple questionable ones and it's like, Oh, we have no goaltending. What are we ever going to do? We're screwed. We have no goalies. And now that he's probably had, an, you could say, an amazing week, it's just, yeah, Marley was good. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't – at what point do you have to say he is a legitimate option? I, I mean, you know, having games like that, and again, his over the year, his statistics are, are just not that great. So that's what you look at and you're like, you know, is this the guy that we want long-term as our starter, especially right. since he's getting older. Um, and good thing he signed another year to kind of give a better idea. But I just think the perception there is interesting because, you know, it is more than just like, Hey, you had a couple good games. Like, you know, even Spencer Martin could have came, come in and had a great week or something. But, I mean, this is Varley. We know what he can do when he plays well. Like, this is also not, like, shocking. This is the kind of the Varley you expect when he's playing well. Well, and the, and the knock on Varley, besides, you know, maybe having not the greatest stats over his career and in most seasons except for the miracle year, is, is you know, the perception that he can't win the big game. And, obviously, this week he won two really huge games. I mean... You know, today, you know, he didn't have a tough game, I wouldn't say. But, you know, he really did have to make some big saves to win that. Mm -hmm. um, Especially on the power seven. play. Yeah. Not the kill, the yeah. power play. <laughs> yeah. Three wonderful chances for Detroit on their PK. Um, yeah. 37 so, shots. I had, you know, had uh, 38 shots, 37 saves. That's, that, that's great. Yeah. That's uh, pretty good. But I mean, I think I think this week has sort of showed that you know maybe the they can't win the big game thing like Patrick always said about him you know is, isn't isn't exactly true. It's just a consistency argument. Like yeah, he's he has always had stretches like this, and he's also had stretches of Varley poop to putt games like the Nashville one. So yeah, I mean it's, I mean, I it all comes down to his numbers showing that he's a fairly average within the league starting goaltenders starting goaltender. And I know the quality starts thing is is a stat that is maybe something better to look at than just overall save percentage because you have a couple bad ones in there. It can really crater your numbers. And, and also the other way, if you have a couple, you know, 50 save games, it can bring your averages up. But I think, I think from what I remember that Farley's quality start percentage is better than average. 
So, you know, that those are other things to look at. Yeah, and I'm, and I sh we show him in the middle, not necessarily in save percentage, but in GSAA, which is uh, a number that kind of looks at the shot quality against and seeing, you know, where does his percentages stack up against what you would expect to see in those situations. It will be interesting yeah. that it seems like Bernier is going to come back soon. We, you know, we we assume he's been on the ice. Um, he needs to stop getting hit in the head with stuff. Yeah. So he's in the wrong nice. line of work. <laughs> It'll be nice to have both of them back um, and uh, as options. And it probably would be nice to give Varley a rest, but it does kind of seem like he's one of those guys, the more he plays, just the the better he is. He's, he's yeah, definitely cause... a momentum goalie. I would agree with that. When things are going well, they continue to roll. But at the same time, if they're not going well, playing them more isn't going to fix it. Yeah, yeah and that's that. that's where having a good backup is good because I you know remember when we had Jiggy and even during the miracle year there were times when Jiggy would get you know three starts in a row and I I think just having that sort of helps a guy like Varley that you know when he does have a funk that's more than just a bad game um, you know it's nice to be able to take some time off work with the coach and and not have to you know, go out there and strap them on, not being confident in yourself. And yeah, I think that's something else that that's kind of more modern thinking is that if a goalie kind of just needs like a week or something off or, or if the backup's kind of hot, it's not like offensive to the starter to say, you know, like this isn't your week. Like that's happening more and more. I think Price and Lundquist have had kind of like weeks off before when things aren't going well. Like it's not, it's not a wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's it's rest up, get it, get on the ice with Parkilo, work on some stuff, and you know here's the game we're targeting for you to return. So on the downside, we still have definitely some scratches to talk about. Um, I think that we've already covered mine with Alex Kerfoot pretty effectively. Who else do we, what do we want to add on the scratch side? Uh, I know this is unpopular, but I think Tyson Jost was, was pretty bad for most of this week. Um, and I think some of that sort of goes back to what they're trying to do with that Andrew Ghetto Jost confer line. Um, I think Andrew Ghetto does a lot of the things that Jost sort of is is good at, and it's sort of I think it, it's sort of leaving him not sure of what he's supposed to be doing out there again. And he, he just he looked a little lost this week, and he was kind of soft on a lot of plays. But um, I yeah I think that's sort of a situation, sort of like we said with with Comfer and, and Kerfoot earlier in the year, they, they, they don't play well together because they both do kind of the same thing. Um, so maybe, maybe splitting them up would be better for both guys. I think I'd say just more of the fourth line in general. I mean, I'm trying to think of one person in particular that didn't have a good week. I mean, you could maybe look at Siemens. He, he did have a couple, um, couple not good plays and he was on kind of, on the ice that led to a couple goals against, but it's always kind of low hanging fruit, kind of picking like kind of the lowest defenseman. Um, I get, I don't know. I guess if I had to pick someone to be him, even though it does seem just a bit unfair, but I, 
I think he did lead to maybe the most goals against this week. I, and I'd also say, you know, I, I don't know how great of a week, you know, guys like Bork and, but I don't know that, like I said, it just seems a little low hanging fruit at that point. Like, I don't think anybody that played a big role on the team didn't have a good week. I mean, they won three out of four games. So, so yeah. who can you really pick on? There yeah. is a strange habit that Bednar have has uh, at home. I don't know if this happens on the road so much, but it happens at home five minutes into every game. The third pairing and the fourth <laughs> line come out together and they get shelled. Yeah, usually I, I for do... their first shift, and it's <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I guess he like tries to roll his lines, and then it seems like that's if there's no interruptions, that's that's what comes up is that match. So I don't think it's necessarily intentional, like, yeah, this is a great, we'll put the third and fourth out. But you know if you're rolling them, they're going to match up. So they just don't seem to have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. <laughs> I do too. It is a first period momentum destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. I think later in the game, it's not so bad. It's just, you know, I mean, you nailed it with five minutes into the first period. It just, that's... You know, especially when you've you've sort of started the game on a on a bit of a roll, and then that happens, and you're trapped in the zone for a minute, and it just it right. makes the guys on the fourth look bad, sort of takes away from their confidence, and right, it's, it's 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 tough getting that momentum back. It's like the third line, the the first pair goes out again with the third line. So yeah, it'd be like first and first, then second and second. Then the, the third line goes out with the first pair, and then you have the, the fourth line with the third pair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just, you know. just shocking every time it happens. <laughs> it's just so bad. <laughs> uh, Vlad, do you have anybody that you'd add this week? Uh, you know, I've, I've been trying to rack my brain on on who to, who to make for a, a, a scratch. And, you know, it's already been covered. I mean, in, you know, Jackie talked about... Uh, the low hanging fruit and Siemens. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of pointing fingers at a couple of just bigger picture things like, but they're not necessarily team specific. So I don't know if this really applies. I'd like to just point a lot of fingers at just kind of the wacky officiating that's happened this week in games. I'd like to point a few fingers Oof. specifically at the Minnesota wild for winning their two games the last couple of days and Devin Dubnik for being a tool and <laughs> <laughs> scratch the wild. <laughs> And, yeah, and by proxy, the Pacific Division opponents for not getting the job done in in holding the uh, the guy the teams chasing the Avs down. Yeah, those guys. So. God. To be fair, the Pacific Division teams are also chasing the Avs. So. <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to all the Eastern Conference teams that have beat Dallas this week. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to you. Yeah. I think I really do still feel like staying ahead of Dallas might be kind of the the key for the abs making it that at this point it looks like they're doing enough on their own to kind of stay ahead but i i just i feel better with having dallas behind them and it's weird the betting odds have dallas as less of a favorite to make the playoffs than st louis really which yeah and it wasn't yeah, much was it was like 40 47 percent to 41 percent but huh. 
Um, I was the the betting odds that. are that, yeah. that Anaheim and, and Colorado get the wild cards. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, first off, I want to mention that I did finally get Corsica.hockey to load for me. Thank you. Um, and Miko Rantanen is 24th in the NHL in primary points. Um, so it's real hard to argue the flukiness of his numbers, whether that's inflated by being with Nathan McKinnon or not is another conversation, but it's not like he's just kind of getting a whole lot of oops assists. Um, and speaking of primary points, number one in the NHL with a very nice total of 69, Nathan McKinnon. Wow. I'm surprised. Malkin yeah. is in second with 66. <laughs> So it's the Nathan crazy. McKinnon train just keeps rolling. He's on like a million game points drink, and and for that matter, so is Tyson Berry. And this this last couple of weeks, there have been road games, and he has continued to produce at the exact same clip. So um, yeah, this this is that, that celebrate the good story thing. going away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like it's just it feels like just he just shoots the puck and it's a goal. Like it. And then what did he have, like, 11 shots on goal today? So it wasn't like that was the only one <laughs> Yeah, that goes in. And the I think it was the second one he scored yet today. It was the wraparound. It did kind of hit off whoever it was. Yep. Red Erickson. Yep. So you could, could say he got a little lucky there, but, I mean, he that whole play was him getting in the zone and, and the wraparound and everything, and it's just – and then he's scoring them in different ways. Like there was the the one timer from from higher in the zone the last game. It just I, yeah, slap I don't shot. even know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that I, Erickson I own goal, let's let's put it this way: if you get eleven shots on goal, you're gonna make your own luck. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Like he's he's not even scoring like easy ones or it, it just it feels like every time he shoots the puck now it's going to go in. And it's just like, and it's not a big deal. It's like, Oh yeah. Nathan McKinnon scored another goal. And he's not <laughs> just firing everything either. Like the majority of these 11 shots are on the rush. Those are high yeah. quality chances. I, I love the, I love that today when, when he was pissed at the ref for the, the bogus icing call, second one in a row even. And then he just comes back with that circus backhand a second later. What the fuck just... was that icing, by the way? Did, did the goalie not come out and play the puck? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. Like, are you kidding? He resulted in the, in the goal, so I'll take it. And then that little sassy shoved a the Kaiser's chest to like, what are you doing? Get off of me. So yeah. it's, it's hard to be too mad, but come <laughs> on. Right. Like he's just like, fine. You piss me off. I'll just yeah. put one in the net. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> and it's, it was so casual. I mean, that's like, I mean, Miko's backhand earlier this week was, I mean, that was one of the most amazing goals you'll ever see, you know, and then, and, and credit to Landeskog for that amazing outlet pass too. But, um, you know, Max at full speed flying into the zone with a defenseman right on a six and he just goes in and backhand zing right past the goalie and he's just like that's so hard and he made it look so easy and it wasn't one-handed but he really didn't have a whole lot of leverage on that second hand that was mostly yeah just pure strength on one hand that was yeah, and he wasn't driving towards the net because of the you know the guy was right on his quarter 
So, I mean, he was fairly far outside of the, you know, the actual goal posts when he did that. I mean, it was just an amazing shot. And the goalie was square. He was on his line. He just missed it. Yeah. Probably wasn't expecting it to have that kind of power on it. No, they never do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that backhander was just amazing. Yeah. At this but point, he's got 89 points. Yeah. Wrap yeah, wrap that up, send it to St. Louis, care of a uh, you know Vladimir Tarasenko and say this is how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> at at this point, I mean if even if the team falls off a cliff at the end here and ends up dropping out of the playoffs, I don't know how you give anyone else the heart trophy. Yeah. I mean he's you know, he's one point away from ninety. I mean a hundred is is just right there. I mean, that's just 11 points in the last 10 games. Um, <clears throat> Imagine not like saying that, that a year ago. I it's know. Just, and it, it's crazy because this team has had such trouble scoring for a long time. Yeah. Like, Duchesne hitting 30 was, like, a big accomplishment. It's just, it's crazy that we're talking about these point totals and that Miko's up there, too. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, the it's, offensive it's un- ability is, is, yeah, it's just, it doesn't happen on this team. And, and it's not even like, you know, 100 points in 82 games is, you know, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, if Mac does hit that, that'll be in 74 games, assuming he plays mm-hmm. them all. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just, wow. <laughs> There are, I think, well, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and filter this by that column because it uh, is going to get a whole bunch of scrubbos who don't have any time on ice. But just, at the, I've got Corsica sorted by primary points, and they've got the top two are McKinnon and Malkin, and they are both over 4.1 points per 60, and no one else is close. No one else is over 3.5. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's not fair how how well Nathan McKinnon is playing right now. Uh, I mean, I, you know, this isn't sort of the the Avs fan pride being hurt, but it's just I, I don't think that people on the East Coast appreciate how amazing it is to watch that every night. I mean, it's like they probably look in the box score and they're like, wow, McKinnon had another three points. He's really killing it. It's just like if you had seen what he did to get those three points. um, The reason I believe you is every time they're on (laughs) national TV or every time they play one of those Eastern Conference teams, you see their fans on the Internet going, holy crap, Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) Yeah. What is this? Remember when the uh, the Avs played Minnesota, and that was a national game, and they were just pumping the the wild tires for a majority of the game, and then after it was just completely out of their hands, then you heard them pump the brakes and finally start talking up the Avs a bit. Yeah, that was a weird broadcast. It was. Um, you know, I I know that you know that I know it's tough when you go into something like that with a narrative to sort of, you know, pull the reins back and, and, and sort of get with what's happening on the ice. But, <clears throat> um, you know, by the end, they're all just like, wow, <laughs> this guy's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and if you're watching any of the away broadcasts, even even if you're watching away, you know, other contests that have nothing to do with the Avs, and they go over the standings, they're just gushing over. Wow, it's Nathan McKinnon. He's doing this. This is the team that had 48 points last year. <laughs> well, it, it, when they were in Toronto, it was like that was the first time anybody had bothered to go see them. Like Elliot Friedman remarked, he didn't know Eric Johnson was that big. It was like, <laughs> where have you been? Like, okay, he said he didn't know Gerard was that small and that skilled. Okay, fine. But Eric Johnson, you haven't seen Eric Johnson play live in, oh, I don't know, the last 10 years. <laughs> it was like that was literally the first time Friedman had bothered to go see the Avs live in probably like 10 years. And when they went to Montreal and Pierre Lebrun was just like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Has he always been that fast? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, like, I mean, we that beat. This team had 48 points last year. <laughs> <laughs> we wondered the same thing. It's going to be really interesting to see over the summer um, how many national games the Avs get. Um, you know, I, I, I realize that they're not going to be, you know, up in the, the Pittsburgh, Chicago, New York Rangers stratosphere as far as getting national games, but Buffalo, um, but they were, they had been because their ratings do well for the Stanley cup. Yeah. And so um, that, that's why Buffalo's on constantly. Not that anybody there thinks that product is any good. Just because Buffalo right. fans tune in. Yeah, it's because of the ratings. So I think they even had a lot last year, and they finally had to pull the plug near the end of the year. But it, yeah. it wouldn't be crazy to think that they could be back up to 10 games. Well, they're an extremely Which... watchable team right now with with the way that that line works and with some of the goals that the Soderberg line pulls out. That's They're not a god-awful 48-point team anymore. They're one of the more fun teams to watch in the league, honestly. They play a fast game, high risk, high reward. They do. I mean, it's I, I. I love the philosophy of you know outscoring opponents like that. I mean, I I think you know the one thing I'd love to see next year is a little bit tighter defense, but that's that's for another show. But I I, I think you're you all are right. It's you know they're just a really fun team to watch for many different reasons. I mean, you know, even if they're not winning a game or even if McKinnon's not scoring you got Sam spinning around you know you've got <laughs> a bunch of, of, of fun young players like Jost and, and Comfer and all that and you know there, there's a lot of reasons to tune in hopefully even more young guys yeah. next year and in the future yeah let's, let's talk about a couple of them I know that um Somebody on this show wanted to talk about Shane Byer or Shane Byers, Shane Bowers, and BU coming out of nowhere to win the Hockey East tournament this week. Yeah, they, you know, they they were they were the fourth seed in the, in that tournament out of a, what is it, eleven teams, Jackie? Yeah. Um, you know, and and <clears throat> it's they they did not have a good start to the season. And you know they, they ended up winning the the hockey East tournament over a couple teams that like Providence and, and uh, uh, Boston College and Northeastern that have been ranked much higher than them all season. So yeah, that's a, that's a great accomplishment. And, and and Bowers has been a huge part of that team. He's the second line center. Uh, he plays in all situations. You know he, he even he even had an assist on the game winning goal in overtime for the semifinals. So. 
he and then in the their series against Northeast or Yukon, he uh he had the assist on I think both game winning goals in that series. That that's like a best of three series. Yeah. So he's he's got a little bit of that clutch ability in him. Clutchness. We, yeah. Yeah. He scores yeah. timely goals. <laughs> he makes his points count. So um clutch he, sixty. He's had a really good season and um you should get some more attention when now that they're in the actual NCAA tournament. Um I don't think it'd be out of the question the Avs could sign him if he wants to. Or he could yeah, stay I- in school. I, I think that having some success later in the year might help that um, just because they're, they're going to have a bunch of, a bunch of guys leaving that team. They've got some seniors and I don't think Greenway is going to be back. He shouldn't. If, if the wild don't sign him, he's probably going to be a free agent. Um, so Kachuk I, I think might having not a, even be back. Right. And so, they, yeah, if, if Kachuk goes top five, I don't think he's going to be back even top 10. So, you know, the, I think having a little bit of success, which probably is is unexpected, given how they started the season, um, might make it a little easier for him to leave at the end of the year. And whatever he does, I, I you know, I don't think there's a bad move on his part. Um, you know, I, I think he could go to the AHL next year and, and do fine. Um, and I. I you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he got NHL time next year if he decided to turn pro. Maybe next spring then. He'll still be young enough they could give him the games. Yeah. And do that. I yeah. You know, I, His... I think he probably will go back. He could probably be the top center next year if he goes back. I'm sure, I mean, yeah. Unless Greenway comes back. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. <clears throat> but, but, yeah, we've we have um, prospects doing good things. Ty Lewis hit a hundred points. It's a good milestone for him in his last he regular said, season match game. that Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, Nathan um, who we are going to have a uh, prospect podcast. I think we're recording tonight. So if uh, any listeners out there enjoy the prospect talk, we will, go much more in depth on it you can probably check it out this week i can't promise it'll be up by the time you're listening to this but it should be out in the coming week and also uh travis Barron got hot at the end of this season didn't he yeah i'll have to look up exactly how many goals when i write it in the prospect weekly but yeah he, he definitely had a um a nice end to his season going to the playoffs which you know avs hint hint you can sign more than one guy to an ELC per year, so... You can? Yeah. You might want to just do that. I don't know what you're waiting for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've suspected that, that he was a candidate for an ELC, like a pretty solid one, but, you know, until it happens, it hasn't happened. Right, and, so. and having a nice end of your year doesn't hurt. Nope. But yeah. um, the Avs should very well know what his game is at this point. So I don't really see the point in, um, you know, having it weigh on a guy's mind when he's going to captain probably his last junior playoff 
run. But hey, you know, life world revolves around the Avs time. So they don't feel like it's a priority to, you know, get a guy signed that they have the next two months to sign. Then I guess it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we're going to revolve around the Avs, then let's revolve around the Avs. It's uh... (laughs) a... It's a little tough to look at the playoff picture right this minute because so many of Colorado's direct competitors are in action after this recording. But as of right this minute, the Avs have two points on Dallas for the first wild card spot. Dallas play Winnipeg today, so by the time you hear this, that may change. It also may not. You may have heard Winnipeg are kind of good. They also have two points on LA and two points on Anaheim who play New Jersey today. Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, Anaheim does play Jersey, yes. And they have five points on St. Louis, who play Chicago today, and six points on Calgary, who just got shredded by Vegas this afternoon, and they're probably out of the running. Yeah, Calgary's done. What was the score to that? I just haven't seen the score. 4-0. Oh, okay. It was 4-0 for most of the game. That was a garbage time 4-0. Uh, but things are looking really, really good after the Avs got six points out of this week. So do we want to talk about the upcoming week? Yes. Let's. So Colorado opened this week on Tuesday in Chicago. It's a 6.30 mountain start against the Blackhawks. That is a 30 start. Then on Thursday, they're back at home, 7 o'clock mountain with the LA Kings. Big one there. And then on Saturday, it's yet another matinee. The first half of the home-and-home with Vegas, 1 o'clock mountain at home. All games are on altitude. And Saturday is on what looks like basically every Sportsnet channel in Canada, too, for some reason. Can't imagine why. But whatever. <coughs> Maybe it's hockey day in Canada. <laughs> well, they 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 exceeded my ex- expectations last week. I you know I wanted to say five or six, and I said six, but I didn't really I didn't have my heart in it. So they they did good. I um, I will have to. You go ahead. Um, Go ahead and and out yourself as a liar. We're listening. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I think, I I think they need four out of this week. And, um, you know, I I think, I I think they have some unfinished business in Chicago and I know they play them six more times this month, but, um, you know, I, I think that, that, the, the last game sort of didn't go the way it should have for them. And then they, they didn't, they didn't come out like they needed to for that game. So there's some good unfinished business there. I, I think a win there is, is, is necessary like it was today. And I, if you want to make a statement game, I think the game against LA is, is, is another one where you make it. And they, they did that very well against St. Louis and, and Minnesota this week. So um, I think they just need to do that again on Thursday, Vegas. Yeah. I don't know. It, if if they if they win the first two games, I just don't see good things happening against Vegas. I will give them credit for they don't seem they seem to be living in the moment better now than maybe they have in, in the past, where they'd be kind of hanging on, but then they drop like they would have dropped this Detroit game or they would have dropped the Arizona game or just kind of lost focus. And I I think they are kind of dialed in pretty. well pretty well and I agree I think that LA game is the biggest game of the week even if it looks like LA might grab one of those Pacific spots 
So maybe it isn't as critical to beat them, but the Avs just need to keep getting points. So they really do need to get like four again this week. And, you know, they, they haven't played well against Vegas, but it's been a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how they play against them. And with the home and home, you know, you can kind of almost throw that game kind of in into this week as well. I think they'll split the home and home. I think they're playing well enough that they can beat Vegas once. Um, so I, I think they'll keep rolling. I think, I think this week was big for them, and I think it was big that they didn't have a letdown today against Detroit. And I think... I think they can get the four points. So LA and Anaheim are tied with 84. LA have the row tiebreaker by a wide margin. Um, Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Anaheim having 12 overtime losses. Um, I really do think that the key to the playoffs is uh, apart from keeping St. Louis down is just stay ahead of whoever's third in the Pacific. And that's what they're doing yeah. right now. And I, I think I it's staying out of Dallas. I just feel I feel like St. Louis is too unpredictable. I feel like, yeah, they're kind of down there below Anaheim and and, and et cetera. But I think I think their slide has put them there, and they've won a couple now. I I just think it's a little too unpredictable, and I think they could go on kind of like a, a bit of a streak in the other direction. So I think to be safe, you got to stay ahead of Dallas. Is how I look at it. Okay. I think with this week, um, I I don't see I don't see a victory in Chicago. I think it's going to be another OT loss. I see an OT win at home against LA. I think that's going to be what they're they're. I think they're going to try and look past Chicago and try and keep up with LA since Chicago's so far behind. So I kind of see where that I, I kind of see that uh, in my in my field of vision. And as far as Vegas goes, uh, I think they'll take the home game. But Vegas has just been way too good at home in Vegas. So I'm with you, Jackie. I think they're going to split it. Vegas. I would won mind if they won games. in Vegas. Just saying. Vegas is 25 home wins. There's four teams that have won 25 home games in the West, and one of them's Colorado. One of them's Vegas. The other two are Nashville and Winnipeg. There's a whole bunch who have won 25 at home in the East, but the East is also full of some really bad stinkers, so kind of inflated yeah. a little bit. So, I don't know about this whole overtime loss thing. Eric Johnson's back. That helps. Um, yeah. That is big. I think that's, that's, that's been a big key. Uh, putting him out there first. Oh. You gotta love that. You gotta have somebody to cover your ass when you lose the opening face-off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I, you know, I'm not sure that he's not a better. I, I think, you know, I, I think Barry can skate fast. I just don't think he's a better skater than EJ. You know, I mean, not many people are. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I think that's very key, oh. especially when you're out there with McKinnon. You know, and and you, you sort of need to be, you know, where where you need to be to to make a play quickly. You know, Vegas have only got points in half their last 10 games. They've only got 10 points in their last 10 games. Five and five and oh. Um, 
and I haven't really looked to see who those games have necessarily been against, except for them beating the hell out of Calgary today. But they haven't been necessarily on the same tear they've been on all season. So I could see Colorado taking that game at home this week and then dropping the away game pretty handily. Um, but I and it'll be meaningless for them too because they've right. got the they've got the top spot in the Pacific locked up. Uh, pretty close. It's not it's not official yet, but they're pretty much there. They've they've got scroll over. They've got ninety seven points to San Jose's eighty nine, and everybody else is eighty four. Yeah, I mean, well, San Jose's just not going to catch them. No, I, I, based on games remaining, Vegas need literally one more win, and they have the Pacific. Ta-da! Yeah. So, um, I don't think six points is out of the question this week. I'm not willing <coughs> to book it, but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I bet it's gonna. I, I'm thinking four. But if it is six, I wouldn't be shocked. And then that would give them ninety. That That'd would be give nice. them ninety. And then let's look at the following week they have at Vegas. But then they have more taking care of business home games with Chicago. With um, well, Philadelphia's climbed up the ring since I last looked, I guess. But there's still that should be a fun one. They're still kind of right in the middle. They're in the, in the mid eighties right now with everyone else. They have the ability to give themselves a little bit of a cushion going into their their last week of the season back-to-back California road trip at Anaheim, at L.A., at San Jose. So you don't want them to back into the playoffs necessarily, but you're giving themselves, they've given themselves a little bit of a chance to have those games not be absolutely must-win. So Yeah, I mean, it looks like 96 should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, if, if they can just take care of enough business, then that road trip isn't as daunting as it looks. Yeah, I think think they only need to go 500, I believe, after winning today. I think they only need to go 500 to yeah, kind of hit that 96. 96. What you don't want is, is the season coming down to the Blues game on the last day of the season. Yeah. Especially if it Especially if it's like they're tied with the Blues and the, and the winner goes into the playoffs. Exactly. That would blow. Isn't that what people live for? Isn't that the kind no. of excitement everybody wants? That's what antacid manufacturers live for. You don't get more meaningful than that. Everybody's going to need Lysinopril after that. But <laughs> my my dream scenario in that is that goes to overtime and the Avs win to sneak in by one point. <laughs> we have seen the eight and nine teams play on the last game of the season and go to a shootout in in recent years. So be careful what you wish for. I know. No, that's. I mean, people who have been looking at the schedule at the end of the schedule, especially for for a long time, have been yeah. looking at that game. Like, I I hope that's not as meaningful as it could be. But I would really like if those if that California trip didn't matter that much for one very selfish reason. You want to know what that reason is? You don't have to watch them. <laughs> at LA, 8.30 Mountain. At San yeah. Jose, 8.30 Mountain. Yep. That's we like midnight hockey. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to have to pay attention to those whole games. It's way too late. I'm going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's 10.30 for Earl. Yeah. 
That's a and and it's L.A. So that you know they're going to be doing some kind of bullshit ceremony. That one won't start till eleven. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it always takes forever in San Jose. All the California teams, they always. I mean, even in the AHL, it just takes forever for them to get the game going. And San Jose with their camera on the moon. So. <laughs> and green, and it looks green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we're looking ahead a little bit too far. We got the the team needs us to keep their eyes closer to the to the present than our than our eyes have been. But Chicago Tuesday, L.A. at home Thursday, and Van, and Vegas at home Saturday. Uh, I think that you could see three wins. Maybe not all in regulation, but I think you could see three wins here, very uh, very realistically. However many so. it is, though, um, there's they are set up for a pretty decent chance at a run here at the end. Of course, yes, keep banking those points. Yeah. They they had a good week this week banking those points, so uh, it's, it sets them up good. Yep, they've they've got their last. They they've taken care of business in their last four taking care of business games. I don't know if well, I mean, do you consider Columbus a taking care of business game? I don't know if you really do. Kind of. Kind of not really. Uh, it was on the road, no. Yeah. But I mean, because they, they had Arizona and Detroit at home and they beat them both. They had Chicago and Columbus on the road and they got points out of both those games. So they've, they've done what they need to do. It's time to keep that up. They got a point out of that Columbus game, though, and they were down by a, by a margin. So I don't there's something yeah, to be said for that. Yeah, I don't mind the week that they had there and they, they had the three consecutive overtime losses, which was frustrating, but I... I do feel like getting those three points was a big help. Oh, yeah. yeah and Colum- Columbus and the Avs at that point were pretty much in the same boat as far as where they were relative to their wild card and div- or conference um, standings. So, I mean, that was, that was a big game for both teams. Without those three points, Colorado were looking up at Dallas and Anaheim right now and looking at that last week of the schedule going, oh, boy. Yeah. Right, so at this point, we certainly can't uh, apologize for uh, for the loser point because that that's how other teams are going to get in, and and even though those games felt disappointing in isolation, I think looking back, the fact that they did manage to get points that was was huge for them. That that Nashville one still hurts. Well, yeah. yeah, when you when you have the game yeah. with one minute left, yeah, absolutely. But Nashville's also lost in regulation once since February. Yeah. So there's that. But let's go they ahead. Lose about and, as often uh, as the Red Wings win. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike Haynes. <laughs> Boy, he was on one today, wasn't he? He, he oh, loves was, this game. Uh, it's just, I don't I'll save that rant for another day. Yeah, let's, <laughs> it's his favorite game of the year. Let's let's save all of our rants for another day because this <laughs> is approaching an hour and a half. Um, whether it's six points next week or not, you know, you can always find out here. Uh, you can check the show out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio. We always post it to burgundyrainbow.com and you can always catch us on iTunes or your favorite RSS catcher, Google Play Music Store shelf thing, whatever it's called. I never know. It's a bunch of words in a row. Join us in the Burgundy Rainbow Discord, which you can find the link to posted on the site. And uh, just keep an eye on what this team's going to do. If they didn't play today, they probably play tomorrow. So there's lots to watch right now. Keep your head up in the dirty areas. We will see you 
same time next week. I see you've noticed our anthrax special today. Buy one <laughs> bucket of anthrax, get two buckets of anthrax for half off. <laughs> here is your smallpox. No, thank you. Just here for the buckets of anthrax. My dad was a cyanide salesman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for real. Did he have to travel door to door? Excuse me, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You look no. like the kind of household that might be a little <laughs> short on anthrax and cyanide and CX gas today. Maybe uh, I can interest you in my wares. Bing bong. Was, it was Hello? a big any, deal when they any lost CIA a drum. agents in the house. <laughs> it was a big deal when they lost a drum. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like on some highway somewhere. <laughs> And Turns they called out. it Little Lost Drum, and they had to talk about it for, like, months. <laughs> Turns out it was just a snare drum. <laughs> Fell out of the back of the station wagon. He said they didn't like that answer when they would ask him when he was going to Canada what he did for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a plumber. <laughs> No, I never went away. 